Welcome back, Tree Huggers. Well, hello. We're here today. I'm Stacy. I'm Terry. And we're here today to talk to you in our first breakdown podcast about visual schedules. What are they? Why are they important? When would you use them and how to use them? Mm-hmm. So we'll start with just the breakdown of what actually is a visual schedule and what it might mean to you and how you would use it. And then, of course, we're going to give you from both perspectives, from the speech pathology perspective and the OT perspective, mm-hmm. how we might use that in therapy and how we would encourage you to use it at home. Exactly. So what an actual visual schedule is would be a routine or a sequence of activities or events that need to happen that are provided visually to your child. So we might um, have it look a variety of ways, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, the variety of ways that it can look, and we're going to talk about how we use it in therapy today. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one that we want to talk about really would be a routine visual schedule. Mm -hmm. So what would you think would be a routine, Terry, that you might use? There's a variety of different routines that we typically work with. Um, Examples that you would use at home would be creating a visual schedule to help you with, say, the bedtime routine, Mm -hmm. uh, including getting your pajamas on, brushing your teeth, etc. Another Mm -hmm. would be uh, the morning routine, getting out the door. So packing your backpack, making sure you have everything, Mm-hmm. I would, I think, even adding the after school, where things go, and how homework has to roll, or even dinner time. And mm-hmm. if you notice the theme here, it's generally any time that you note frustration at home from either your child or from you, or a transition that might be difficult where there's a lot of steps and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that need to happen. It's any time, personally, where you feel like you have to provide a lot of language or a lot of organization or a lot of direction. Oftentimes we'll know there's a need for a visual schedule when the parent comes and feels really frustrated and they feel like they're not being listened to at home or directions are not being followed. Mm -hmm. That's where we might look a little closer at a visual schedule and say, how could it support you in being able to use less language Mm -hmm. and be able to use uh, different skills from the child, like using their eyes and pointing and getting them organized to follow a routine? And visual schedules can be used across a variety of ages. The examples that we were talking about with the after-school routine, the morning routine, etc., cetera, um, might be of one age. And they can also be really helpful. One time I made a visual schedule with a teenage boy who was having a hard time washing his hair and making sure that his hair didn't appear greasy after he got out of the shower. Mm-hmm. So we actually went so far as to break down all of the steps that you had to do while you were showering so that he could be independent in doing it because he was a teenage boy and mom wasn't in there anymore. Right. And that, you know, that makes me think that when you think about a veg- visual schedule or a visual routine, it's not necessarily something that you have to even prepare a lot of materials. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when you did that with that kid mm-hmm. that you were writing it on a dry erase board or a piece of paper, but it, and maybe he took it home to help him to remember it, but it can also be just a visually organizing schedule or sequence of events, and it doesn't have to be something that you keep or even explain more than once if you mm-hmm. think that it's helpful to break the task down. Any, you could use it anytime. Mm-hmm. Use it quickly. Exactly, and that that's brings us to why visual schedules are important. They make all of these steps and sequences and things that are provided as auditory information, they make them visual. Mm -hmm. And that's important from a speech perspective for a couple of reasons. Uh, Language is not sensory information. 
So what do I mean when I say that is that we learn through our senses, we learn through our experiences, we learn through movement and using our eyes and what we smell brings back memories. You know, our brain likes to hold on to senses and find patterns in order to learn. And so when language comes into play, that's not sensory information. It doesn't provide that anchor naturally. For some children, it does. For some children, automatically they start making images in their head when they hear words, and that's how they become successful communicators. But sometimes when there's a disconnect or a problem with the with the um, schedule that we're talking about, then too much language causes more frustration and too much language doesn't provide the sensory information to be able to recall the process later. You're not just going to remember the words. You're not going to remember what your mom said. You're going to remember mom and dad are super mad at me when we do this. They're going to remember how it felt, but they're not necessarily going to remember the schedule. And so providing it visually helps give them that anchor so that they can recall what they're supposed to do next without you having to talk too much. Mm-hmm. And from an OT perspective, we work a lot with the visual system and gathering information from your eyes. And the visual schedule provides that ability for the child to be the, the person in the discovery process, to be the one to figure out what is the next step. It gives them a sense of empowerment. It gives them a sense of, of success and ability to to figure out that next step. Mm -hmm. Because if language is an issue or vision is an issue, you often have a child who feels like they they have a lot of things done for them. Mm -hmm. To them. To them. They're not Mm -hmm. necessarily involved in the process. They don't have a lot of power. And so when I say power, I don't mean in a manipulative fashion. I mean power in terms of just power of how my day is supposed to look, power and how this routine can feel. And if you have a communication challenge and you can't describe that you're feeling powerless, then helping keep them involved in the process and showing them how the process works and letting them have some control in the process, what comes first, what comes last, what do they want to do, is often very helpful, just as helpful as the visual routine itself is involving them in the process of building it. Mm -hmm. And I think your example of what comes first and what comes last is a great um, example of how we could even begin to use visual schedules when kids are little, as young as two, three, you can draw pictures on a dry erase board. You can draw a first and a then, and they don't have to be words. They can be a simple picture that you draw. First, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. So that the, it gives the, the visual organization of the sequence. Then the child can reference it, the child can erase it, the child can cross it off and feel successful. It really helps to facilitate that overall sense of self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot here Uh, at Family Tree about developing capable people. And so what does that look like? And what Terry was just saying is so important, that sense of accomplishment, that sense of crossing things off, showing them their capability is only going to breed more confidence. And when you have more confidence, then you're going to be able to, going forward, be able to generalize the concepts. And like she said, too, she mentioned erasing it. So not only checking that box, but then erasing it, and then you being able to point to what did exist and say, what did you picture here? Mm -hmm. And that turns language into sensory information. When I say apple, you picture whatever your experience is with an apple. When I say caramel apple, the picture changes. And so for our kids, they don't necessarily always make that shift really quickly or they don't come up with the image at all and they're just trying to remember words. A lot of times that will happen when you give kids two choices and they just repeat the last one. Mm -hmm. Instead of really processing the information, holding on to the visual image and then talking from that image, They're just repeating what they hear because auditory information, like I said, is not automatically made into sensory. 
Mm -hmm. Frequently during therapy, we will use a dry erase board to set up steps of, say, an obstacle course. And we will write down the steps of the obstacle course. We will sit in one place, look at the environment, pick an object, draw a picture of that, use a little magnet picture of it, and create a, a step of sequences that you have to do to facilitate this first, second, third, fourth, this visual schedule within a one fun, motivating task for the child. And then once we establish that this is a skill, that I can use my eyes, that I can find this information in these steps, then we can transition this use of a visual schedule into something that might not be as fun, say the homework routine. (laughs) True, true. Mm And I was going to say also, you know, that's a really fun way that we use it and a fun way that we teach the skill. And also our clinicians can use it in a regulating way if their child is new, there's a new activity. Terry and I use it a lot together when there's a new game or even if it's an old game and we just want a reminder of the steps and we want to be able to reference those steps during the game. Um, oftentimes you want to have that as a regulatory piece, like here's what's expected, here's what's coming. Your goal, of course, is more self-regulation where there's not such a panic if the routine is changed. So you don't want to become overly reliant on it as well. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about with those strategies of crossing things off and erasing things and pointing to the board and saying, what did you picture here? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Or even during the routine, can you picture what the next step is? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Covering it up and then they know that it's there. There's still the security of like, I know that there's a step under there if I can't recall it, if I can't talk mm-hmm. about it, and then revealing it. So utilizing it in a way that you're trying to fade it as well. You provide the support and then eventually trying to fade it so that they feel more comfortable uh, mm-hmm. verbally, visually, mm-hmm. using their bodies. And develop that sense of flexibility. What we mm-hmm. don't want to happen is we don't want our kids to become reliant upon this to the point where they can't do anything outside of it. Right. For example, I was working with a um, child who has autism, and we usually would write out a schedule on the board, and one day he was having a fantastic day, and I didn't write it out because I wanted to see if he could now know that things were safe and what would occur, and it was brilliant. And I actually think it was harder for the mom during this session to Mm -hmm. not have that visual schedule than it was for the child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you can play with that a little bit. I think there's a hierarchy there, a continuum of challenge, because I've done it before where I've maybe taken away the schedule too quickly or taken away too Mm -hmm. many parts, or the kid wasn't having such a great day, but I know we've done this particular routine a hundred times, and so I thought it would be okay, and maybe emotionally they weren't there, and I took away the support too soon. So you want to play with that level. You're never trying to fade it out because you need them to necessarily be immediately independent. You're, You're playing with it in hopes that they can be successful and that you've created enough imagery and enough security that they can move forward with success. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the visual schedules and and how to use them and what it means. I can tell you what it definitely does not mean. You definitely do not need a fancy computer program such as Board Maker or laminated cards or a binder full of a a variety of different pictures. Because you don't do things like that, too. I don't. (laughs) I find it could be overwhelming to visually scan and find exactly what you need. Well, and I think, too, what that allows you to do, first of all, it releases your responsibility that this has to look professional. Mm -hmm. Shall we say that again? It does not need to be professional. You just need to give it a go. And -hmm. sometimes, what if you put all this time into it and you printed out this beautiful thing and then you did it without the child involved and it didn't work, or they didn't like it, or 
you picked a picture that they thought was scary for some reason or whatever it is. So allow yourself the flexibility to use simple tools. Mm -hmm. We use dry erase boards here, like Mm -hmm. it's our job with markers. I Mm -hmm. buy them constantly. You'll see our therapists walking around, hopefully, constantly with dry erase boards as they transition between um, therapy rooms. Mm -hmm. Index cards is another doozy, Mm low-tech, very cheap. Mm Even, um, especially in the, within the school setting, I've worked with a lot of teachers to provide visual schedules on the child's desk and something as simple as a little post-it note. Yeah, post-it notes are great. These are very low-tech mm-hmm. things you need. You need some markers, maybe some colored tape to you know visually organize them where they need to be, what, what comes next, color code things. Make things as simple as you can because if they're not simple and they're too difficult, then you won't use them regularly. Mm-hmm. You won't follow through and these skills won't be built upon. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that you mentioned right before we started, Terry, that I loved is going on Google Images yes. and having them print out their idea of picking the toothbrush or picking the backpack or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That way, if you are going to create something that, say, you laminate or that you use a lot, you can have them be involved in the process, picking out the pictures. Therefore, they've got that ownership and that that sense of pride, mm-hmm. and therefore they're going to want to follow it a little bit more. Absolutely. One of my favorite things with younger kids is actually not even creating it on an actual schedule, but just having small index cards or post-its, and we throw them in a cup. Here's the four things that need to happen. What's the first one we're going to do? Mm-hmm. You get to pick. And so in that way, whenever you can provide a little bit more involvement from them, mm-hmm. you're going to get more buy-in. And that's, I mean, that's with anything. That's with trying new foods or getting them to new places. I mean, if the child is excited about it and is part of the process, they're going to want to do it. Yep. And part of the process, like you said, with picking the order, with crossing it off, with choosing the pictures. The other thing that I really enjoy about visual schedules that we haven't really talked about yet is it takes away the need for parents to talk so much. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we use way too many words and the words get lost on the kids. The other thing that I really enjoy is that if it's a schedule that's sort of been agreed upon, it takes the ownership off of you Mm -hmm. because then, well, this is what we agreed. This is the next step. You can point to it. The child can point to it and they know, and you can kind of shrug your shoulders and maintain a neutral face so that then they have that responsibility without you constantly. Mm -hmm. The schedule is is the boss. It does the talking. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. That was a much more precise way of articulating (laughs) what I was thinking. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just something I said before and I thought, oh, she's defining it. It's perfect. Uh, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. You think? Absolutely. Okay. If you guys, we're going to post this one. If you have questions, these are the type of breakdowns we'd really like to do. And we hope that uh, your therapist as well can give you this information or even directed you here to this podcast just to maybe hear the information. Because like we said, we know that in therapy, sometimes it's difficult to focus. If you've got questions on how to use it, feel free to reach out to us. Or again, if you've got a topic that you would like broken down, let us know. We'll do it for you. Absolutely. Okay. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.